0: HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Welcome to the latest edition of 100 The Ed Gordon Podcast. Today, a conversation with Tony Award winning playwright Michael R. Jackson. Jackson was one of this year's big winners for his play, A Strange Loop. The play is about, well, I'll let
1: him tell you. A Strange Loop is about a a young, fat, black, gay man. Who named Usher Who is works as an Usher at a Broadway show and it's writing a musical about a young fat Black gay man named Usher who works as an Usher at a Broadway show, who is writing a musical about a fat Black gay man named Usher who works at a Broadway show, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera, and sort of cycling through his own self-perception and self-hatred. Got that? The play was nominated
0: for 11 awards and took home two of the biggest prizes on what is known as Broadway's Biggest Night.
1: Okay, and...
0: The winner is, and the Tony goes to, A Strange Loop. Winning for both Best Musical and Best Book, Jackson has become a sensation on The Great White Way. We started by talking about the huge attention that the play's popularity and acclaim has brought him. It's
1: been a winding road. I, um, you know, I started working on A Strange Loop when I was about 23 years old. And when I started it, I I had no ambition for it to really go anywhere or be anything. And so, for it to have gotten the acclaim that it's gotten in recent years is kind of mind blowing when I really look at the bigger picture. Give us
0: your road. Often uh, the media does this when someone has a uh, you know extraordinary um, project like you've had they pick you up from that day forward. Oh yeah. (laughs) But there's been a toll for you. um, getting to that point, give us, give us a, a, a quick tour of what you did prior to.
1: I used to try to make up little songs when I was growing up. Um, I had a really good ear. I had perfect pitch. Um, and I would, and I was improvising and I got to play at church. I played for church choirs all through, you know, sort of high school. Um, And that gave me a real musical sensibility, but I didn't know how to write lyrics. I didn't understand song form. And so then I sort of, I went to NYU for playwriting, although my dream was to be a soap opera writer. (laughs) And um, I fell in love with playwriting and I started writing plays and that sort of thing. and, And still just messing around with music just for me, but again, not knowing how to write lyrics. I go to grad school right after undergrad, and I go to the NYU grad musical theater writing program where I study book writing and lyric writing. And then I sort of learn how to uh, write songs, you know, lyrically. And but right before that, right in between going, before I went to grad school, I had started writing this monologue called Why I Can't Get Work. And it was just about, this, I was 23, and it was just about this young black gay man walking around New York wondering why life was so terrible. And when, once I'd learned how to write um, sort of songs, a teacher of mine said, if you're a lyricist who's never written music or a composer who's never written lyrics, you want to try it, go for it. So then I decided to try writing my hand at writing my own music. And the song that came out of it was a song called Memory Song." And it went over really well in my class and my teachers and my others and other students encouraged me to continue writing music, even though I was in the program as a lyricist and a book writer. And so I just started writing songs sort of on my own, just for my own, you know, entertainment. And a lot of those songs started to feed into the monologue I had written a couple of years prior. And then that with this director who I was working with at the time started to change into this one man show called fast food town and then i performed that in 2006 at a venue in new york city and i came away from it being like i want to keep working on this thing but i don't want to be in it and i don't want it to be like a cabaret act Mm -hmm. and so we started working with a music with a with a theater company and on just developing the book of the of what would become this musical and in that period it turned into what was now known as a strange loop I called up my friend Stephen Brackett, who had directed a bunch of concerts of music that I had been doing, because in the midst of all of that, I was still writing music. And some of the songs from the show, he had heard. And so I called him up and I was like, listen, I finally need to hear this entire musical with the music to know what I have. And so we did a reading in 2012, and Stephen, sort of reading the material, um, asked me what he thought. Of what I thought of the concept of us uh, casting it with all black and queer people, which was very intriguing to me because it it the material sort of lent itself to that. So I started writing toward that concept. We did the reading in 2012. then after that, there was no developmental step in place. So it kind of went under my bed for three years. He would pull the work back out and travel a long and bumpy
0: road, tweaking it along the way. From 2015, the play would have a number of iterations, stops and starts, and a number of different directors. But that long and winding road would lead to Broadway, where the play premiered in April of 2022. That represented about an 18-year yeah. journey. Yeah, you them. know, it, it's great to, to tell that story in the in the sense that people often lose their dreams because they don't continue to travel the road. Jackson grew up in Detroit in the 1990s. He attended
1: the famed Cass Technical High School. Also, by the way, my alma mater. My experience of growing up was I had a pretty normal kind of just very middle of the road. I would say that I would describe my upbringing as middle, middle class. Like, just like, right? Like, there was nothing kind of, there was no crazy thrills about it. And it wasn't like. I had everything that I needed, essentially. Um, my father was a police officer for 27 years. My mother worked for General Motors for, you know, that time or longer. Um, I went to Lightly Educational Center as a kid. I went to Cast Tech as a high schooler. Um, I went to First Glory Missionary Baptist Church. Like, I just had a very ordinary kind of experience. And so because of that, I think I there was... Uh, I had the freedom to sort of pursue the arts, which my parents sort of kept me busy because they didn't want me to get into any sort of trouble, me and my brother. And so my whole sort of middle school and high school life was like an all-city choir, the Brazilian Art Youth corral, piano lessons, dance class, acting for a bit, uh, child acting. Um, then when I was in high school, I really, I took an interest in creative writing. And so i I did that all four years of high school. Plus, I took a private writing workshop outside of uh, my high school with one of the the, res- the artists and residents who came into the high school. So I, you know, I I was I had no idle hands whatsoever. Detroit has always, you know, been kind of an arts hub, at least is is in my lifetime. Um, whether it was music or visual arts. Um, and, I, and it's certainly uh, theater, <clears throat> a lot of the theater and TV and film people came out of a lot of the schools there, um, you know, either at our, you know, our cast, like we have David Allen Greer, Ellen Burstyn, Lily Tomlin, uh, Kenya Moore, if you're, you know, a Housewives fan, like so many people. Um, I just think that, you know, probably even just having the legacy of Motown, starting there, probably laid the groundwork. Like one of the, um, I took, at CAS, I took harp for a year as one of my electives. And uh, Patricia Terry Ross, who was the harp teacher there, was like a session player for Motown the whole time. Um, so like, I just think that it, it just was in the water. Uh, and, 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 and because there were so many of those artists who were there, they were able to pass that down to students in one way or another. I tell people all the
0: time who say to me, you know, what was it in the water at Cass? What made you, uh, you know, so prolific in terms of the people you turn out? And I said, you know, I think it is just expectation. You yeah. know, Cass set a certain expectation for you that you that were supposed definitely. to be, you know, able to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, when people talk about like nowadays, they talk about black excellence I have a different conception of what that was when I was growing up than what I sometimes feel like it is now when people use that phrase because I felt like when I was in middle school and high school in Detroit it was like they kicked your butt like you had to be good like you actually had to be good it wasn't just like a label it's like you had to live up to it and you and you wanted to like you wanted to be great at whatever it is that you were doing and I think that that is Is how I sort of always think of my childhood is of Black excellence when I think about that. That Black excellence was awarded tenfold
0: with a strange loop. Many have wondered how much of the play was drawn from real life experience. While you've said that this is not autobiographical, it certainly mirrors um, your journey to a great degree.
1: Yeah, so I always say if I had to use the word autobiographical, I would describe it as emotionally autobiographical, which is to say that I have felt everything that the protagonist, Usher, has felt. I lived a version of that um, as a younger person. The show sort of is frozen at a a young man who's 25 going on 26. I'm 41 now. Um, And I drew from personal experience to tell uh, the show... But like, it's, I, I, I always say, the reason why I don't call it an autobiography is because it's not as simple as a one-to-one ratio mm-hmm. to events vents my life. It's about a young person who has a certain distorted point of view about himself and distorted perspective, and everything gets refracted through that. And so I don't know, like, is that the truth? I don't, it's, it's hard to say because like everything is like the world is horrible and, but he still has this weird grain of hope inside of that. And that, you know, was definitely my truth as a young person. But once I got a certain distance from that experience, it was different than like my quote unquote life. It was like a, it was a portrait of a portrait. Yeah. Um, It was like You know, I'm not Picasso, but it was like when Picasso does like these crazy self-portraits where everything is like all jagged and like Mm -hmm. it's not it's not this it's not like a naturalistic um, things. So it's about what it feels like, what it felt like to be that age and to feel those feelings so intensely, and to be grappling with those emotions over time until he gets to a point where he's like, oh, maybe I'm actually not like. lowest life form on earth. Yeah. And that's the story, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, uh, you know, as I, as I watched, uh, the journey, particularly around the Tony's and certainly have read up on you, uh, you know, you spoke for, and many people said this for so many people and their feelings and, you know, what they lived as well. It was, um, you know, a, a cry to many of those people to say, you're not alone. And that, you know, this is normal to a great degree. Um, let me ask you this. And I had this conversation with someone. Um, and I'm wondering where you sit if, you, if you've if you had these feelings. So it was a, a gay uh, young man who is also in the arts. And he said it's been difficult in this way. He said, I don't know some days where I fit because there is still too much homophobia in black america um and i grappled with that his family had embraced him but a lot of the surrounding extended family and others still had issue uh he said while i've made it in this industry and he is uh, has done things on broadway as well as an actor he said that while the Broadway community embraces my gay side. They don't always embrace my black side in a way that I think they should. Um, Have you, have you felt that? And is it still after all these years difficult to find um, a steady place for you to feel, and I don't want to put this on you. I'm asking comfortable and whole.
1: That's a really good question. Um, I think it's complicated for me personally. Um, I know everybody has their own experiences of this because for me, I've been asked about sort of like homophobia in the black community. And I guess the place I've actually landed after thinking about this for a while is that I think that there's a lot of homophobia in religious Mm -hmm. families Mm -hmm. and if those religious families like happen to be black they're like it can manifest in a a particular way and in a way that i know is very familiar to many 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 black queer folks and black gay men in particular who go through what that feels like which is very can be very difficult um uh And so I actually would be curious to talk to Black gay folks who did not grow up in religious families to see what the experience was like, if their families didn't accept them because of sort of like gender norms and and masculinity or whatever, and did it have a different like flavor to it than if you grew up like in a Baptist or Kojic or Pentecostal home or Catholic or whatever. And with regard to sort of the being Black on Broadway, you know, I just, I mean, A Strange Loop is unique in that it was like the first thing that I ever did Mm -hmm. publicly. And like in that, and I did other stuff, you know, outside of that. But so my experience, I think, is a, may be an outlier. I've had like a pretty great time, which is, To say, I think because I spent so much time working on it, by the time it got to off-Broadway or off-Broadway or on-Broadway, it was kind of undeniable. Like, nobody could really tell us anything. Like, we, we, we were doing it. And I had a lot of partners to help me tell the story that I wanted to tell, both on stage and in the marketing and everything. And also the world had sort of shifted in some ways from when I had been working on it for many years in a environment, in an environment that was a, a lot more conservative and was, would not have allowed a strange loop to pierce through the veil at those earlier times.
0: Is it tiresome sometimes to talk about being gay? Um, the media is often so fixated on that, um, not just obviously with you. But we still have this sense of, if you were interviewing me as a straight man, I don't get the question of my sexuality. You know, I can
1: just deal with the project. Um, Yeah, I mean, I would say that, like, I don't don't mind talking about it. It's just sometimes people don't like my answers. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because, like, for example, like, I can't tell you the number of times through this whole process that people are like, what did your parents think? What did your parents think? because they had this I mean I think it's because they see what's in the show, but they can't it actually goes back to this, something I've been talking to the lead of our show Jacques Poe about is that there's this weird stereotype that whatever you're seeing on stage is not art. it's like it's it mu- it's just real. It's just mm-hmm. like black realness. It's just like I opened up a vein. And I bled on the page. And I and, and that's all that you're seeing. That there was nothing that's made about it. And so, and I, and, and, and I have to be fair to the people who do this, is that because there's this weird blend of life and art in it, I know why people might be like, oh my God, your parents are parents. But on the other hand, it's like, you can't objectively look at what you see on stage and go, oh, there's probably something that's a little fictional about this. Mm -hmm. it's like very clear to me. Um, and so I don't get tired of talking about it, but I do sometimes just wonder why people can't sort of see a little bit beyond what's just the obvious, uh, thing Mm -hmm. in front of them. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know, like it, it's, But you're, I mean, you're, you're, you're right. Like no one will ask you about like your straightness and, and like really like put a magnifying glass to it, but they do want to know, you know, particularly if you're like a black gay person, like they want to know all about the struggle. It's all about the struggle, the struggle and the pain and the, and, and the trauma and all of that. And like, I had those things, but I also had other things. Like if you watch the show, Usher ends in a pretty, in a, in a not perfect, but like a decent place. And that was important to me in the storytelling that you watch like somebody black go through something difficult, but come out on the other side. So often in in these narratives that we see in stage and film and TV, it's always has to end in either some sort of calamity or some like hyper, you know, joyful explosion, you know, um, And I just wanted to create something that was real that like Mm -hmm. felt just like Mm -hmm. people could relate to of like, sometimes shit is fucked up, (laughs) but then, you know, you move on with your life or like, and it still might be fucked up, but you, you keep going. That's, that feels real to me.
0: I remember uh, doing an interview and someone asked me about um, whether I felt the need to do stories all the time about the Black condition or about Black folks or about et cetera, et cetera. Um, And I remember when I first went to NBC, a lot of the Black reporters didn't want to do Black stories. They didn't want to be, quote, pigeonholed. Where I took the other uh, road, I felt like, well, you're not doing them often enough, so I want to do them. Um, I'm curious when you look at what you want your future works to be, would you always have an element of making sure that there is a through line of gay or queer people being put in it? Or do you just want simply to do good art?
1: So I don't necessarily think that, I mean, this, and I could be proven wrong with this. I don't necessarily think that there will always be a uh, gay or queer through line, but I do think that pretty much there will always be a Black through line. Mm-hmm. Because that's, I've been writing stories since I was like 11 years old. And the world that I grew up in, in Detroit, I went to, I came from a Black family, I went to Black schools, I went to Black churches, vacation Bible school, like everything that I did was Black. I had Black teacher, like, and I learned art from black teachers and also from my teachers, but like my, my consciousness as an artist is very much comes from thinking of black as the default condition. And that default condition is multiplicitous and can do anything. And so I feel like I'm invested in leading black life through all kinds of, Stories that sometimes, like I, for example, in White Girl in Danger, the protagonist of White Girl in Danger is gonna trigger some people because she she's a social climber, and she will do whatever she has to do to get what she wants. Which means that she often will stab people in the back. It means that she like is kind of becomes kind of a monster, but she's also like, you know, the one to watch. And so I'm interested in that as a through line of like, of a blackness as being kind of uh, unstoppable and and undeniable, no matter what is happening. Um, Which also means that sometimes it has to, it can be unpleasant, Mm -hmm. and that I have to not be afraid to show that in front of an audience that is not black, which I'm not. And that's, you know, on a strange loop has certainly been true. And, and some of the criticism that I get every once in a while is like, how? Did, why are you showing that in front of them? Well, the answer to that is because I'm not afraid of them. And I can't be, as an artist especially. But also in life, I'm not afraid of them. Let's talk about um, what must have been a magical night for you, 11 nominations.
0: You win uh, for Best Musical and uh, Best Book. We should note for those who are not... Um, Play or Broadway aficionados, when you talk about the book, that is what goes along in a musical that isn't being sung. you know right. you get, there there has to be a, a, a quote unquote conventional play that that goes along with that. Um, when you have that kind of success, it makes it even more difficult, I think, or at least certainly puts um pressure, not necessarily self-imposed on the next thing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What are you feeling as you walk into whatever the next thing is?
1: Um, You know, I feel my next project is real crazy. It's like a lot. It's like a big, splashy, like big swing. It's like (laughs) a big swing. I'm taking a big old swing with my next piece. And I feel terrified and I feel excited. Mm -hmm. Like, which to me tells me that I'm doing the right thing by working on it. We just actually finished a workshop of it yesterday. um, And we're sort of slowly moving toward a production at the top, uh, at the first quarter of next year, hopefully. And um, And, um, off-Broadway. And I do sort of, you know, especially because A Strange Loop is a piece that has been, that so many people have felt like, affirmed and, like, validated by that, like, in some ways, at least in this moment, I am sort of perceived as, like, this, like, maker of a warm bath or or of a, you know, or something that's, like, makes people feel snugly inside or whatever. I am mean, I'm being a little facetious, but But that's generally like when I interact with people, that's, and when I hear people talk about the show, that's what they feel. Whereas my next piece is, I think it also has an an emotional core that it gets to, but it also is a little pointed. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit pointing outward at the world because it's a piece that is in some ways about my working through what this world has been over the last couple of years. And I say couple of years, meaning both the last three years, but also the last, you know, 10 years, the last, it deals a lot with race and class and, um, what we call equity, diversity, and inclusion. (laughs) And my sort of complex feelings about what Mm -hmm. that is and how I have experienced that and seen it and seen people talk about it and like how then that then gets has is ricocheted out into the world, um, and and so I part of me is a little worried that people are going to really throw tomatoes, but I'm also like maybe that's part of the art as well is like the tomato throwing in this next piece. So I'm excited and terrified. <laughs> that's the, that's like the long the short of it.
0: You know, I'll. I'll- Give people a a peek at your sense of humor and also utilize this as as maybe some forethought for you as you move into that. Um, your handle on Instagram is the Living Michael Jackson.
1: Oh yeah, which I got before <laughs> because the Michael Jackson people started to come after me. Well, yeah, but I I thought it was great. To me, it's like I've never been able to go through the world without absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I think that it's like an homage to him. That, Absolutely. Like, I, that's I, the way I, I took it out loud. You know what I mean. But that's the way I took think, it. Oh, how disrespectful! <laughs> how dare you? But those people are no different to me in a, some ways from like in the in the musical Strange Loop. Like the ancestors, mm-hmm. they have they they come out of their grave to like admonish Usher for how dare you like say bad about Tyler Perry. How dare you, <laughs> you know? And like, and then they like they like beat his butt for that. And so it's fine. The the Michael Jackson people can be mad at me. So
0: (laughs) I remember talking with him uh, as bad came out Mm -hmm. and he talked about the idea. This was maybe a month after it came out and it was a huge success, but it wasn't thriller in terms of the sales. Mm -hmm. Um, And he talked about the idea that he had to find a way to understand that he probably wouldn't see another thriller though the work after that could be amazing as it was often. Um, Have you resigned yourself to the fact that maybe, and I know it's hard when it's the first thing, but maybe strange loop becomes something that you'll always chase, or is it
1: that thing that motivates you to get past it? You know, I I do accept that, like, you know, probably a strange loop will always be the thing that people most sort of associate me with. And that, um, will be on my, you know, in my obituary, like it will say like strange loop creator, Michael R Jackson died in fiery plane crash. You know what? I mean, please don't universal let me die in a plane crash. That's like my worst fear, but like, um, but it will say that. And I, and I'm so proud of that. I mean, I worked so hard on a strange loop and it was such an unlikely success that if that was all I ever was known for, I would be so happy. but like but as an artist, I I don't have that view. I mean as a person I have that view but as an artist, I don't have that view. I have to keep climbing and I have to keep chasing after the things that confuse me, that bother me, that thrill me. Um, and white girl in danger, which is my next musical, um, is the one at this moment having sort of completed in a certain way the journey of A Strange Loop is the one that I'm like have an existential like, need to tell the story. And I and I and in my own little artistic naive mind, that's my, ne- my best thing. They always say that you're as good as your next thing. And to me, my next thing is White Girl in Danger, which I think is an awesome and exciting musical that I've always wanted to do something this sort of grand and and ambitious. And I'm gonna keep doing that every time i I go to a new piece. I want to keep topping myself and like finding a new lens and a new way to thrill audiences as best I can.
0: Michael, again,
1: man, congratulations
0: for, uh, you know, all of what uh, Strange Loop uh, has done for you. And, um, you know, we certainly look forward to that being uh, the first of many, many uh, accolades that you will receive uh, for your work, brother. And uh, just keep it up, man.
1: Thank you. Thank you for uh, this conversation. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Another big
0: thanks to Michael R. Jackson. His Tony Award winning play, A Strange Loop, is on Broadway at the Lyceum Theater now. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeart Media. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at EdL Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media.